No sense in keeping you here if you're gonna be miserable. I appreciate the help. What's it gonna cost? It's on the house. You know, where I come from, it's very different from here. Obviously. So, where do you come from anyway? I... Um... Used to live in the upper levels of Coruscant. Ah, up there where the air is clear, huh? You're probably better off down here. Why is that? I'm sure you have your problems up there, with the Jedi running around, starting wars, policing everything. The Jedi didn't start the war. They're trying to stop it. Sure. Sure they are. Look, it doesn't really matter anyway. They've forgotten all about us. What do you mean? It's just... When you're a kid, you hear stories. I guess they're not what I thought they'd be. It's not safe down here. Or anywhere on Coruscant. That's why I've got my ship. So I can make my living in the stars. Just me and my sister Rafa. We'll get away from the Jedi. This war. All of it. It's time for Send in the Clones! Join your hosts, Buto and Robbie, on an epic journey through a galaxy far, far away as they follow the escapades of Anakin Skywalker and the Jedi Knights with the clone army of the Republic in their struggle against Count Dooku and the droid army of the evil Separatists. So step in and prepare for adventure because it's time to send in the clones! In this episode... Former Jedi Padawan Ahsoka Tano descends from the service world of Coruscant into its desperate and dangerous underworld. There, the young Turgutin meets Trace Montez and her sister Rafa, and learns more about how different life is for those who exist without the protection of the Jedi Order. Hey, troops, it's your old buddy Bucho, a Clone Wars rocker, my first ever watch of the Clone Wars. And next to me in the dropship, he's watched the first seven, no, six seasons, he's watched the first six seasons three times. He's the Rafa to my trace. It's your trusty pal, Robbie. How's it going, everyone? We are going to talk about the 126th episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars chronology, written by Charles Murray and Dave Filone. Day. Is that French? V. There's no pronunciation guide on the website, Robbie, so I'm just guessing. Mm. But it's co-directed by Saul Rodriguez and Charles Murray. It's Season 7, Episode 5, Without a Trace. And normally, I would ask you what you remembered about this episode before you re-watched it again this week, Robbie. But both of us are basically in the same boat now. This is the first time, so why don't you just give us a quick, possibly non-spoilery take on... How much you dug the episode? Well, I, I, I don't know how to, I don't know how to say this. <laughs> I don't know either because I didn't warn you I was gonna switch things up like this. But I don't know how else to start it, Robbie. I'm a creature of habit. No, I get it. I get it. I mean, for me, it's uh, this one's a weird episode to me because it feels almost like a reintroduction to Ahsoka, and I don't feel. I guess because we've been watching it, we've been talking about Clone Wars for you know the last god four months now. Right. Right. I don't feel very removed from Ahsoka, so it feels strange to kind of have this reintroduction in a way. I don't know if that if you feel that way too, but that's the way it felt to me. And and I I don't feel like this episode is bad per se, but it doesn't feel like it's top tier to me. It almost it, it feels strange to me. Like I wasn't really connecting with the characters as much as I did in the Bad Batch 
I almost felt like this was one of those, you know, in a 22-24 episode season, this is one of those episodes that feels kind of a little disposable. So I found it strange, knowing that this is a 12-episode season, that this feels kind of inconsequential in a way? I don't know. I, I'm, I'm curious as to what you think about this, too, because for me, I guess because I've read the Ahsoka novel, I've read I've read a bunch of the, I guess, the, uh, the expanded universe from the Disney point of view, but I've also read, I wouldn't say a, a huge share of the, the old Legends EU, but I've read enough that this story feels very familiar to me. It feels a lot like the way that Ahsoka is in the novel. It also feels very similar to Kenobi, where you've kind of got a Jedi kind of trying to not use his powers and not be the, you know, the hero and all that kind of stuff, kind of blend in and the struggle to do that. So it, it feels like a very familiar story to me. But yeah, so what what, what are your thoughts on that? Because I'm, I'm kind of lost. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm, no, I'm, I'm not lost as in like not know what to say or anything, but lost as in, I feel like, what are we doing? What, why are we doing this again? That's kind of how I feel. Yeah, I guess uh, we'll get to our full thoughts right at the end, but I like this episode a lot. So hmm. as we go through it, I'm sure we'll find out where those disconnects are. And so let's go through it, Robbie. The episode opens with Snips heading for the Coruscant Underground. It seems pretty much immediately, or we shouldn't say immediately, but very soon after she's left the Jedi Order. And we're straight into an action scene here as her speeder bike goes bung and sends Ahsoka on a wild and desperate ride as she tries to avoid dying and tries to avoid anyone else dying. And eventually, she crashes onto a landing platform and meets a girl mechanic from 1980s New York called Trace, who makes very sure that we and Ahsoka know that Moolah is going to be a big theme in this episode, that after five seasons of living the Jedi High Life, we're now more in the sort of world we associate with Han and Chewie and Hondo and Cowboy Bebop and Firefly. So while you said in your introduction that for you it felt very familiar for me, this is a whole new dynamic. I don't remember there ever being a story where money actually mattered in this world. So straight away, I'm right into it. You know, this is now a world where money just doesn't grow on forest trees. It's a grimier, greasier world. It's a more desperate world. It's a world where human beings and, and other species alike have to struggle just to make ends meet. Although eventually, after Ahsoka goes off for a little bit of a sulk. Trace agrees to fix Ahsoka's bike for free anyway. And that's when Trace tells Ahsoka that she and her big sister Rafa have big dreams of fixing up their Nebula class freighter and shooting off to journey among the stars. So another thing we might uh, switch up here, Rob, is instead of me doing the summary and then blathering on about my own responses, how about we go with you and your responses to these first scenes. Ahsoka's desperate <laughs> speeder bike crash scene and meeting Trace Martez. For me, this whole first section seemed, I don't know, it just immediately caught me off guard. I mean, look, I'm not saying that I have any better ideas of what they could have done or anything like that. I'm just saying trying to judge it on its own merit as I try to do everything. I guess it's weird that it just immediately starts off with an action scene very well done. Isn't that very, very Star Warsy? Isn't that the opposite of weird? Well, I guess it was just, I don't know what I expected. And I guess that's my thing, is that I didn't, I hadn't been doing a lot of thinking about what we would be getting with Ahsoka. So I had assumed that, I guess maybe because of the trailers and all that kind of stuff, 
you know, some of those scenes of her running along the side of the wall and things like that, that maybe that was a chase scene of some sort. No, it's just a wonky speeder that she bought. I mean, it's just, I don't know, just, I mean, it's like, hey, uh, I'm driving along and then burn, everything starts going wrong and you're just kind of <laughs> like, oh, okay, but but why? I mean, like, I feel like there's a lot of, there's a lot of scenes in, in many movies, TV shows, whatever, any entertainment where there's action with without any meaning or without any story behind I'm it. Gonna, I'm going to button right here, Robbie, because Go ahead. as I sort of have already alluded to, a strong theme in this episode is being poor and not having enough money. And in 126 episodes, there have often been stories where there was a theme that the Jedi were under-resourced, but not to this level where Ahsoka now has to deal with equipment that is just going to completely fall apart. It's kind of like the Twilight, I guess. I mean, remember Obi-Wan? Right. <laughs> Obi-Wan crashing the Twilight just because it wasn't a great ship. But I felt like this was the episode introducing us to the idea that now Ahsoka is in a different world. And it's a world where she can't just rely on, you know, the, the pristine equipment of the Jedi Order where nothing really breaks, you know. And so now she's in a world where there are consequences things going wrong and where she can't just i mean she can fix things obviously but she's sort of dumped straight into a desperate situation so i felt like this was a very thematically strong action scene see and i wonder if that's partly because of you know like i said i've read some of the i've read the ahsoka novel right where she's kind of just trying to fit in you know what i mean and she's same kinds of issues are kind of happening with kenobi you know, it's it was the same sort of thing where now I'm on this desert planet and I've got to survive. Right. I got to go to town for supplies. They don't know who I am. I'm not dressed like a Jedi. You know what I mean? Sure. It feels like one of those things where I wonder if that has actually done a disservice to me that I've <laughs> taken in that because for me this feels very familiar and sort of like you're just throwing you into the action so from my point of view it seems it that that's how it feels sure but it's very well done and again the animation it's just kind of amazing and the spark effects you know as she's sliding along that it's just so cool looking it's yeah. so realistic you know it's it's weird to have that sort of juxtaposition by this very realistic looking animation with these obviously not real characters and not real situations it's it's very cool and of course, you know, with this whole first section, you know, we've got kind of the sort of name dropping 1313, yeah. which is kind of interesting. That's kind of bittersweet, right? Yeah, I mean, it's... Because you go, hey, 1313 reference, and then you go, ah, oh, we're not going to yeah. get 1313. <laughs> yeah, that's all we're going to get. Yeah, and I, I did notice, too, one of the things that kind of stuck out to me, the beginning, it almost seems like the lip syncing seems a little off, and it seems to get better throughout the episode. Huh. There's just a couple of scenes where... For some reason, it, it distracted me and it pulled me out of it for a second. I was like, man, that, that was a little off. I didn't get that. But then, you know, we we had that in, um, which I don't think I, I mentioned in the last episode, Unfinished Business. There was a scene where Obi-Wan's lip syncing was like distractingly off. And in fact, they kept playing clips of it, you know, on YouTube and all that stuff. They kept playing clips of that specific moment where I was like, ugh, that lip syncing is bad just doesn't look good and there was a couple of moments where it just felt off to me but like i said it felt like it got better as time went on now i will say one of my favorite things it's almost like a i, I hesitate to call it a trope but it's one of these things that we don't get to see a whole lot and it's something that i think is really interesting is the view of the jedi from a regular person yeah and what a regular person sees the jedi as 
And I think that's one of those things that I really, really enjoyed. And just the war as a whole, the way that the society is from a regular person's point of view is very interesting. Yeah, it calls back to sabotage. Yeah. And what is it, Lena, Leela? I should remember her name, but, uh, you know, the lady in sabotage who was the wife of the husband. I should remember all this stuff, Robbie. It wasn't that long ago, but I guess I'm so excited about the new episode, I can't remember. Yeah, I, I, I just really enjoyed that. I mean, that was one of the things that... Uh, really kind of stuck out to me but yeah i mean i don't know I, I i hate to sound like i'm being super down on this i'm 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 really not i just felt like it was unexpected to me to tread sort of this territory that i feel like i've already been on right but you know maybe that's just my my problem letter to Amanda is who i was trying to think of jacob omani's wife right and uh, yeah there was a strong theme that started to emerge at the end of season five that when you are out on the street and down on the underground Jedi aren't necessarily the good guys for everyone. So yeah, I had that note as well. I also had, I mean, I've already sort of brought it up that I sort of started wondering, where did she get that old speeder bike from, you know? And then I started thinking, wait, how does the Jedi Order even make money? Because before they were sort of put in charge of the military as generals and became funded by the Senate, what would they, have they always done mercenary things? I guess they're like a church, but they don't have you know, tie things. I don't know. I just started thinking about this <laughs> world building thing that for some reason in 126, I mean, in however many years, I never thought, wait a minute, they've got this beautiful temple. <laughs> Where did all this come from? Yeah. How is the Jedi funded? Yeah. So that's a world building thing that I'm sure has been explored somewhere in the books or comics, but I don't know. And also I wanted to ask you where on the Obi careful scale does that moment of Ahsoka hanging off the bike handle dangling over that seemingly endless shaft it chops about a thousand levels deep into Coruscant underworld. You know, how? where does that sit on the four-star Robbie Obi careful scale? You know, maybe, and that's kind of an interesting thing, the Obi careful thing. I think that comes from me being on things that are high up or whatever. I don't have any context for hanging off a speeder bike that's gone wonky. <laughs> so maybe that's why I didn't feel that at this moment, you know? But, I mean, it was, it was uh, like I said, I mean, the animation is definitely top-notch. I mean, good stuff. And just the way that the way that things move, and the way that there's an attention to detail, especially the far off stuff yeah. that you don't see, you know, on the the earlier seasons. But yeah, no, I'll be careful at this point, you know. Well, the only other note I had on this first part of the story was just seeing Ahsoka in some Hondo goggles again, like yeah. we first saw on Mortis. And I don't know why it's just always fun to see Ahsoka wearing those Hondo goggles. But of course, next up. Ahsoka and Trace are joined by a debt collector called Pintu, who is actually played by Bobby Moynihan, I found out later, and a couple of other Cyclops-type alien heavies. I'm not sure what species they are because this is so new that that information wasn't online when I made these notes. But at first, Trace decides that she will handle these goons without Ahsoka's help. And then... Even though we see that Trace isn't totally helpless in the scrap, she decides that, given that she's outnumbered and outsized, she could maybe use some Ahsoka help after all. And so then we get what I felt was a very fun scene of Ahsoka going to town in a typically acrobatic manner on these two goons. And so she and Trace see Pinto off. And then they head off to see Trace's sister Rafa. But before we get to the meeting with Rafa, Robbie, how did you like this fight scene in these Cyclops goons and Pinto played by Bobby Moynihan? Well, it's weird. I almost feel like this was another situation where I was kind of like, man, is this where we want to see 
Ahsoka. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, I don't know. I guess maybe it's because I'm so used to seeing her with the Jedi and as a Jedi. You know what I mean? Right. It just feels like this whole situation just seems like a big pile of nope, at least for me. Like, I wouldn't want to be dealing with people that are so far in debt that they're kind of sucking me into this problem. This <laughs> it, It's just... Like, this is a, a, a section of drama that I just would not want to get myself involved with. So, it's kind of like, ah, oh, man, this is... And now you've got debt collectors coming. I mean, no, no telling who this guy is. You know, how connected is this guy? You know, how in trouble am I going to be if I get involved with it? You know what I mean? That's the kind of things that go through my head. So, I look at this as just... I'm like, ugh. But then, yeah, the, again, the animation looks great. And Ahsoka looks awesome. I mean... It was a fun scene. Yeah, I was, I guess I was kind of the opposite with it because as you and I have talked about before, I can't remember if it's ever come up on an episode, but my favorite part of any Kung Fu story or any story where someone is a secret kind of badass is the part where whoever they have just met who's become their friend doesn't know they're a badass yet. <laughs> and I love that tension of obviously Ahsoka is going to try and hide you know, from the way that she's been talking, you know, she can tell that she's trying to hide where she's come from. But when she flies into action, is she going to give away too much? Is she going to let the people around her in on the fact that she's got not just, you know, high level training from her brother, but, you know, is she going right. to fight so much like a Jedi that, I mean, she always doesn't put out a lightsaber. So I really dug this scene i really dug this part of story i really dug how the fight was shot because when trace is doing her thing the camera's cutting and moving a ton it's really communicating that kind of chaotic feeling of being in a scrap in which you're not really in control but then when ahsoka jumps in the camera is pretty much locked off and it's looking over trace's shoulder as she watches her new pal wreck shop on these goons and instead of cuts every second or so there's only one single cut away from the action and that's when it cuts to trace's surprised face and I love reaction shots as well, so I just was totally into the scene, the way it was shot. So we get the feeling that when Ahsoka is throwing down, because the camera is calm, it's much more a feeling of someone being completely in control of the situation. So the filmmaking itself is telling the story of these characters. And of course, Kevin Kiner's score complements these two acts of this fight perfectly as well, because there's a more traditional chaotic scoring in the trace fight. And then when Ahsoka steps in, the menace drops out of the score. And the music becomes just much more playful. So I just loved how this whole scene was done cinematically. I also liked Ahsoka cracking that dude in the ghoulies. It really cracked me up. Literally laughed out loud, especially with that high-pitched noise that he made. I mean, the noise part of comedic situations, you know, going all the way back to the 3PO clunks <laughs> has just always been one of my favorite things they do in this show. And I, yeah, like I said, I laughed out loud. Even though this poor guy was really just doing his job. I mean, you know, they said they were going to pay Pintu some money and they didn't. But anyway, as a capper to a very fun fight scene and, and the best laugh of the episode, that was also my standout shot of the episode, Robbie. Hmm. This poor Cyclops alien getting cracked in the ghoulies. <laughs> Shall I go into part three or have you got, uh, Jonah? No, that's good. I did like the older brother. Yeah. It was kind of fun. Well, speaking of older brother, Robbie, that's when Trace takes Ahsoka with her to find Trace's older sister, Rapa, who immediately strikes us as more streetwise and cynical and possibly less sweet and less scrupulous than Trace. And before we know it, Rafa has a customer. It's a Twi'lek who wants some robots rebuilt. And so Ahsoka, before she knows it, is helping Trace repair some huge binary load lifters who 
As soon as Ahsoka hits the on button, immediately make a sound exactly like the demolition droids that Grievous sent to Coruscant. And I don't know about you, Robbie, but I remember that sound instantly because when we covered that episode, season three, episode 10, Heroes on Both Sides, those demolition droids reminded me of the Mondashawans from the Fifth Element. Mm. It's that kind of deep, rumbly voice. And I remember that hitting me then. And I remember saying that in that episode. And also, of course, there's the Padawan's Path episode of Forces of Destiny, the cartoon which is still up on YouTube for anyone who hasn't seen it yet, where Ahsoka has to deal with a rogue loadlifter droid. So immediately we know that these behemoths are going to be trouble for our heroes even before Ahsoka spells it out for us. And lo and behold, the lack of the restraining bolt allows one to escape into the streets of the Coruscant underworld, Robbie. And then it's a chase scene. First it's a foot chase, then it's a forklift speeder chase, then there's some more Obi careful action as Trace clings to the droid as it climbs up and dangles from a building, then it falls from a building, then Ahsoka catches it in the forks of the speeder, and then there's a cable winch malfunction, and then there's Ahsoka doing some Jedi stuff, Robbie, secret Jedi stuff, although it looked like there was a little toilet girl who maybe twigged to Ahsoka being a little bit more special than even she maybe seemed at the moment, but anyway, there's this action scene Robbie you have maybe weren't a fan of the first couple of action scenes in this episode how about this chase scene through the Coruscant underworld droid versus forklift speeder yeah so this section for me was one of those things where I don't know about you but there's sometimes when something happens and it takes you out of the moment for a couple of minutes and I'm stuck on that and then I have to play catch up to try to was the thing that took you out in the previous scene, or was it actually part of the chase? No, it was it was part of the the droid activation. I'm sitting there going, okay, Ahsoka activates it with the restraining bolt, and it starts to attack. And as they're talking, the droid behind Trace activates on its own. Yeah, like it self activates. And I'm like, how is that a thing? I've never had anything do that, and I don't think droids are supposed to be able to do that. But you are an Apple user, Robbie. Let me tell you, as a PC and Windows user, <laughs> I've had my computer turn on on its own. In fact, it does it more often than not. I actually have to turn off the power switch to stop my machine from turning itself on. So, yeah, as an Apple user, I can see that being something that doesn't make sense. But to me, that's kind of a something that makes sense out of experience i don't know i just that part was like well wait a minute how did that happen and then before we know it this thing is off wrecking shop you know i mean it's really my favorite moments in this whole section is how clumsy this thing is right and how it keeps how it keeps running into walls and things like that and then it just sees something it's like oh i'm gonna wreck that yeah you know and it's just fun it's almost like a i don't know like a toddler almost in a way right a really big strong metal toddler brute of a toddler yeah yeah just <laughs> a battle toddler yeah but i mean that's to me that was the fun the most fun part of it i mean of course you know you've got rafa screaming after him how dare you do this thing that i told you to do and you, i was fully aware of this danger but <laughs> you know what i mean it's that that's the kind of stuff that's a little you know a little bit of eye roll because it's just like come on you knew the danger, you know, when you accepted the job. But she also gave them the restraining bolts. Well, right. But, again, why would you expect things to just turn on? I mean, we've had that. We've already had that discussion. But, anyway, <laughs> yeah. what's interesting to me is far from an animation standpoint, right? When that uh, Twi'lek, or as as they say here, a Twi'lek, 
I don't know if there's just different pronunciations, but to me, it's always been Twi'lek. Anyway, when he comes in, just as the the scene earlier in the sh- in the episode where the animation stuck out as being wrong, the Twi'lek animation was really good, like almost shockingly good. And it was at that moment that I started really kind of tuning into the animation again and going, okay, things have tightened up. So I don't know if that was just, you know, maybe a mistake that was just overlooked earlier in the episode or if as they were animating, they got better and better and better. But all I know is it looked awesome. And I was really kind of tuned into that at that moment. But yeah, I mean, that's, uh, I really enjoyed the whole sequence. And again, the whole idea of someone's in danger, I've got to use the force, but I don't want to and all that kind of stuff. This is a trope. You know, that to me is is one of those things that I've seen many, 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 many times. Jedi Fallen Order is probably the most recent example of it. Um, I mean, the game starts off with that. Yeah, right. So it's sort of one of those things where it all feels very familiar. And I I guess that's my big criticism for it, is that it just feels very familiar to me. I mean, yeah, the the situation in itself is a little different. You know, it's, it's changed up, but the idea is the same. So, yeah, even though I did enjoy the sequence it was kind of like yeah kind of kind of seen that before but i like the the look on the little twi'lek's face when she's like she's using the force <laughs> you know so yeah kind of cool yeah i get what you're saying about that trope but you know at the risk of being repetitive like i said that's my favorite part of you know i mean it started off with kung fu movies and then star wars using it makes sense and i guess because we have we've said it in our favorite characters episode we've said it plenty of times just how much we dig ahsoka tano and so seeing the stakes be this high for ahsoka really just made it super fun for me to see her faced with that situation you know where she has to be a secret force user but yeah what you say about the animation that also hurt me in this part because the episode had already been looking top notch but here is where it really sort of burst into life for me in terms of the animation because we don't only get trace and rough is amazingly expressive faces but also the binary load lifters movements like you said are insanely smooth to the point that a lot of this episode pretty much looks like a modern animated feature film like out of pixar or dreamworks it's the toppest of the top notch in terms of animation you know uh, even above the first four episodes of the season for me and the character whose animation has always impressed me the most has always been more just with the nuances and the subtleties they give his face and hair you know if anything i thought that trace and rafa's expressions and also the updates with the soka model just everything kicking butt you know and like i said the load lifter so yeah that was my only real remark from this section i thought it was a ton of fun and the animation is just super spectacular and so finally we see ahsoka trying to convince Rafa that the droids are far too dangerous to be allowed back into the world, even with restraining bolts, and that the droids should be dismantled. But Rafa has the bottom line in mind, and how not taking care of the bottom line has already gotten her sister beat up by Pintu's goons, and Rafa knows that the debt collectors will only keep coming if she doesn't collect on the droid rebuild job, and that if they don't rebuild the droids, then someone else will. So... I thought the writing was real smart here that Rafa makes a lot of good pragmatic sense that she's a real Han Solo here. I mean, at least the the younger are less idealistic Han who we meet in episode four, New Hope. You know, that's the Han Solo that Rafa is kind of channeling here. And so, you know, I mean, I've said it before, Han Solo is probably still my favorite character in all of Star Wars. And so I was... (laughs) You know, I like this new character. You sit near the start, you didn't really connect with the characters. 
I really like Trace, but I especially like Rafa, that she's this kind of hard nut, super pragmatic, and is just trying to keep the wolf from the door and make a better life for her and her sister, but has to make these hard decisions and can't afford to be an idealist. And so how did you like the way this episode wrapped up, Robbie, and the kind of dynamic of Trace having an angel on one shoulder and a devil on the other, but neither are really an angel or a devil because both Ahsoka and Rafa kind of both have a point. Yeah, I mean, it's it's weird that you say... Uh, it's not weird. It's it's one of the things that I didn't really think about the choice that Rafa makes there at the end. Because, yeah, you know, if they do it or not, somebody else is going to do it. So the difference is, in this situation, they get paid and they can pay off their debts. So, I mean, I get that. I guess maybe because I'm one of those where I don't connect as much to, I guess, the criminal characters. And not criminal, but you know what I mean, the non-hero. I mean, you would never say Rafa's a hero. Sure. At least not yet. She's an anti-hero, I guess, at this point. And that's, you know, I've always loved an anti-hero. Right. I mean, Wolverine, Han Solo, that's my kind of guy. Yeah. Know? So, I guess in that situation, I mean, I understand it and all that. It's just, for me, it still feels like... You know, like Ahsoka wouldn't have chosen to be involved with these people. She just found herself involved with them. Sure. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm kind of wondering, okay, so I guess this is the story of how she gets from here to leading a clone division, you know? Sure. So I guess that's what this story is going to be. So in a lot of ways, I, I'm sort of reserving judgment a lot on this episode for that reason. But I, I mean, it, it wrapped up fine. I almost felt like, wow, that was it. I almost felt like it was too short. But I think it was a 25-minute, 24-25 minute, 24, 25 minute uh, episode. So, yeah, I mean, uh, just don't have a whole lot to say about that last portion other than, yeah, it was felt abrupt to me. How did you like that kind of outdoor food court setting that Ahsoka and Chase are there in the end having a feed? Would we put that on now? You know, when we do our uh, tour of the galaxy far, far away, will, will we drop in for a meal there? I mean, I would never say no to uh you know kind of an outside setting you know for eating and all that kind of stuff but i keep being reminded i, th- I like where where is this because yeah. this doesn't look like this would be on like 1313 this looks like uh you know maybe you know level 700 or something like that we're, we're getting a little higher up here aren't we right but who knows i mean it could be like a like a hot dog stand here in uh you know, or, or, you know, maybe like uh, keep picturing the hot dog stand and uh, <laughs> better call Saul because I just finished watching that. Yeah, I, I dug it. I mean, I would <laughs> I would eat there. Although I've eaten in some pretty dodgy places in my time, Robbie, in some places where, you know, I mean, I'm sure I've mentioned it before. I've literally eaten chicken that was crawling with ants. But anyway, Robbie, <laughs> enough of that. Let's talk about our favorite shots of the episode. I've already given mine away. It was when Ahsoka kicked that goon in the ghoulies. What was your standout shot of Gone with a Trace? Well, I think for me, there's quite a bit of, like I said, beautiful shots. I mean, the the one that really sticks out to me is is sort of that shot where Ahsoka is standing on the edge of the platform, kind of in a wide shot. Oh, yeah. And that, that ship is rising up, and there's a, you know, the Force theme is being played in the background, and it kind of has this longing. Yeah. You know, and it almost has, like, take the, uh, the background away, and this could almost be reminiscent of her prior life you know what i mean yep you know some some dignitary arriving you know or something like that 
So I felt the longing there at that moment, and I really uh, kind of got attached to that shot. Yeah, that's a great moment. I kind of blew past it in the summary and just said that, you know, Ahsoka goes off for a bit of a sulk, but that's actually a really kind of beautiful moment because she follows that ship up with eyes, and then she's looking up, and we see just how far down this, you know, shaft into the underground there must be a name for this thing we've seen it a bunch of times now and i've never been able to hunt out if there's a particular name i remember you calling it the hole yeah one of the episodes maybe we just call it the hole i think of it as you know a shaft or whatever but that moment we, we sort of get that shot of seeing just how far below the surface she is just how far from her previous world she is yeah that's a really affecting shot and so before we bring this one in for landing robbie we need to sum up and give our ratings so after your latest well so after your first ever watch of season seven, episode five, Gone with a Trace, or I guess you've seen it twice now, right? Like myself. Yeah. How did you like it? And where does season seven, episode five, Gone with a Trace sit on that four star Robbie scale? I'm going to reach out with my feelings. I'm going to reach out with the force and I'm going to say it feels like this is a three out of four for you. Not quite. For me, oh! this, this one is a, a 2.75 out of four. I kind of feel like this could be a moment that, you know, it's the beginning of a, of a kind of an arc, right? Right. So maybe this is going to have more importance later on. But for me, I kind of felt like it was a, as I said before, my first inclination is to give it a 2.75 because I don't feel like this is character wise and story wise isn't the most important thing. It may become important later. We don't know. That's the whole thing. Sure. You know, a lot of a lot of my uh, prior ratings were based on my knowledge of the where things were headed, so I knew where it fit into the into the whole. You know, so it's going to be interesting to see if that changes at all. But I think for me, I think it it's it's uh, yeah, two point seven five. Well, you know, I like it when you and I agree on episodes, but also like it when we don't see episodes the same way because you know it helps us cover more of the troops out there. I'm sure there are other troops out there who like you have read a lot more of the expanded universe stuff and this feels more familiar and less fresh to them whereas for me this felt fresh to me it was exciting i loved seeing ahsoka again i mean we there was a whole season without her and even though for us like you said it's only been a matter of what a month and a bit since we saw any ahsoka episodes the fact that that was an arc that landed on kind of a cliffhanger you know what's what's next for ahsoka where does she go from here I love diving back into the world of Ahsoka and finding out just where she does go. I've given it eight droid restraining bolts out of 10, but I was really close to giving it a nine. I think I just held back from a nine because while it does introduce a completely new dynamic to the show for me, that kind of desperation of the underworld where people don't have the massive amount of resources and Ahsoka kind of navigating a whole new life and a whole new dynamic and learning about the way other people live you know in a way that she hasn't before i didn't think there was really any huge character changes or character development on that side but i really dig these two new characters bridget Kelly plays trace martez and elizabeth rodriguez plays rough and i thought they were both top notch and like i said i'm a total sucker for the underworld and a total sucker for a soaker learning what it's like out there to live out from under the protective umbrella of the jedi order and this mission accomplished for season seven episode five gone with a trace so robbie won't you please take a moment to let the troops out there know if they want to let us know where this sits on their four star robbie scales or 10 scales or whatever what are our communications channels of course we are bucho and robbie at gmail on twitter and on instagram that's b-u-c-h-o-a-n-d-r-o-b-b-y 
You know, at the end of every episode, we do these reminders that we can have a feedback show. And we haven't had a feedback show for, what, literal months because although we have had a couple of very nice emails, they haven't been feedbacky type emails. So, troops, if you if you want to get amongst it, don't think of this as just some sort of automatic thing we do without thinking about it or without actually wanting feedback. You know, shoot us your opinions, shoot us your takes. We, uh, we really want to hear about them. And of course... You can join us again next time for the 127th episode of the StarWars.com Clone Wars Chronology Season 7, Episode 6, Deal or No Deal. And until then, this is your old buddy Bucho, alongside your trusty pal Robbie, and we are out. Remember, you can support sending the clothes for free simply by rating and reviewing the show on iTunes or any other podcast platform and Bucho and Robbie will read the review on a future feedback episode. And speaking of feedback episodes, you can also send either a text or an audio message of 60 seconds or less to Bucho and Robbie at gmail.com Force be with you. Do you ever get a say with Rafa? She's my older sister. She doesn't always get it right, but I know she's trying to make things better for us. At what cost? Did you tell that guy about the droids? Actually, I charged the Twi'lek double. You gave them back. You said be smart. Look, they weren't mine to keep. We don't build them, somebody else would. I don't give them back. That's more trouble for the Martez sisters. Rafa. I used the credits to pay off Pintu. If I didn't get the credits for those droids, they were going to keep coming after us. Here's enough to buy new tools. That makes it worth it, right? I guess so. Stick with me, Trace. One day, we'll have enough credits. Pinto will be coming to us for work. I better go finish my speeder. You're not sticking around? I think it's for the best. Hey! Thanks for saving me out there. You're welcome. Now let's get that speeder working. Come on. Give me a second. If I didn't? I don't know what it is. F-18, yeah. Man, that seemed like it was approaching forever. He's going really slow. Anyway. That's still showing up on the waveform. It'll be fine. It just adds to the atmosphere. Well, okay. Okay.